Well, hello. Hello, hello. And welcome to uh, episode uh, 48 of Brews Less Traveled, the podcast exploring the best uncharted beer cities across the U.S. I'm your host, Brian. And I am Eric. I'm so excited to be your guest host here for April, although I'm a little bit sad because this is the last time that I'm going to be on for a while. So it's been a lot of fun. I'm excited to be here, but I'm also a little sad. I mean, it, it happens every month with, with the, the rotating co-host thing we got going on here at Bruce Less Traveled. Uh, yeah. We get to the last episode. It's exciting because we get to talk about another great brewery from uh, our awesome featured city. But it's yeah. also like this is the last great brewery that we're featuring from yeah. the awesome city of des moines so yeah well definitely yeah well brian how how have you been i mean i haven't seen you since last week any anything new to update me and the other listeners on uh i, I had a delayed flight uh out of boston last night that was ve- very oh. irritating um Ooh, i had a yikes. wonderful wonderful trip to boston we talk about uh kind of the more uncharted or lesser known beer cities on this show but boston pretty well-known beer city was up there doing some work stuff for my day job had a wonderful time but got delayed and like all the bars closed at nine o'clock i closed down two bars they basically kicked me out of two places being like (laughs) you have to leave where we're closing down um and then i was just stuck waiting there until my plane got there at 11 o'clock at night which was over an hour and a half from when it was supposed to be there and yikes so that didn't get home until two last night so yikes well rock and rolling today I, I don't want to I don't want to diminish that at all, but I do want to say I mean that's awful. But I do want to say for people that are leaving Pittsburgh, um, in our airport, uh, Penn Brewery has a has a spot that opens at four thirty a.m. How do I know that? Because I've been there and I was drinking at four thirty a.m. Um, on a very early morning flight, which sounds like like a maybe a good idea um and then the whole time i just had to pee a lot during the flight don't get the 20 ounce hefeweizen at 4 30 a.m you it seems like it's going to be a good idea but ultimately you're going to be in a window seat and you're going to have to ask those people to move a lot they're open before mcdonald's like it's insane it, it literally it was the dunkin donuts where there was like a line out for that and i'm like amateurs um and i'm going right for the the hefeweizen at penn brewery <laughs> the airport Get some, get some, uh, get some circus peanut in your life at four thirty in yeah, the morning. Absolutely. So, <laughs> uh, how, how have you been? How's your week been going for Good. you? Good. I mean, uh, yeah, crazy. Just, I mean, it feels like we were just here last week, brewing, drinking. I, as I told you earlier, I, I did find like a cool little bar by my house that has some local craft beer. It has a hop, it has a lot of hop farm. It has burgers, which is like not something that you see a lot. I know they're a little bit further outside of the city, mm-hmm. so I, I'm excited to actually be able to sit down and, and try similar stuff because you don't see it too often. And the only other thing is right before I, I started here. So this is a, a glass I'm holding up here. It's from from Warhorse Brewing in the Finger Lakes somewhere. And I've had this for like two years now. I've had this glass and apparently I've had two of their glasses. And this sort of blew my mind a little bit. I meant to grab some glasses before coming up here. I had no idea that I had two identical glasses. Um, I just figured I'd use this glass a lot, and it's weird after owning a glass for two years to realize that you have two identical ones. I don't know. It's it's not the most it's not the craziest thing in the world, but it blew it, my mind no. a little bit. 
it it is because it means either one glass is always dirty so they're never in the cupboard at the same time or they're in the cupboard at the same time and you just don't notice that they're the same glass so like right. i think it, that one's typically dirty because i use this glass a lot so i think it's sort of the the rotation of it is like one's dirty one's in the cupboard and i just yeah, yeah don't notice it put one up for raffle is what scott says that's right you can be the owner of my warhorse brewing glass that i got for free that's right just send me five dollars and you are entered in the raffle so brad yeah. where where are we at here tonight as far as D- des moines is concerned so we've got another great episode for you as we continue exploring the great city of des moines iowa um so our feature brewery tonight uh, is a kinship brewing company. Uh, they're actually out of Waukee, uh, Des Moines, which is a little west of Des Moines. And uh, we're going to be drinking their kinship American lager and their Sheriff Dobeck Imperial Stout. And we'll actually be joined by uh, two guests from kinship in just a minute here. Um, Perfect. Cool. Because I do have some questions for them. I'm very excited to talk to them. I'm actually very excited to uh, to drink both of these, the Kinship and the Imperial Stout. And that's because uh, I am a big fan of the of American lagers, of just sort of lagers in general. And as we discussed a little bit last week, I'm not a huge fan of darker beers. But if there's one beer that I really sort of like, it's of, of the darker variety. It is an Imperial Stout. So I'm excited to try that. And I do have because I feel like the the jump from the Hefeweizen to the Brown Ale sort of caught me off guard a little bit. I do have some water and some crackle crackers where I'm going to refresh my palate a little bit before diving into oh, that. Fancy man. Stuff. Yeah, no you know, I, I'm trying to with you today. Yeah, I felt like it sort of interrupted me a little bit last week. So I'm going to try. <laughs> so without further ado, I, let's let's crack open this beer, right? Yeah. yeah. yeah so we're starting with, great. The, with the American Lager. We got this great for the subscribers at home. Shout out to our uh, subscribers. Yes, there's a very cool sticker. All those stickers are already in or on my sort of like little beer end table in my house. So sorry, I cannot show those off because those have been placed already. Well, I can show mine off and I'm excited to put it somewhere. Um, <laughs> yeah. Cheers, American Lager. Cheers, Brian. That is very nice. Very enjoyable, yes. very reminiscent of um, a pen pilsner, almost. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yes. A little sweetness in the in the multi mm-hmm. uh, multi character of the beer. Nice it, and balanced. It is very multi. Yep. I was just gonna say I had a wonderful time visiting Des Moines in general, and actually the last place I visited when I was in Des Moines was Kinship. It was how I capped off my night there. Um, like I mentioned, they're in Waukee, which is about 15 miles west of Des Moines. Uh, they have a 13,000 square foot facility. So this big, huge facility, which you can, if you're watching for the watchers at home, you could see behind me there. So it's like right up, right on a bike trail. It's like really nice outdoor area. Well, I think that if there's one thing we learned about Des Moines over this is that it has great biking trails. So that's, that's very fitting that this would be right on a bike trail. Who was that? Was that R- RJ that mentioned that? That was like all yes. about the bike trails. He yes. was like super into bike trails, which is great. Um, I mean, we have some really great bike trails here in Pittsburgh, but it's not maybe the best biking city as in that it's very hilly, very mountainous. But let's let's jump in, back into this beer here for a second. I want to talk a little bit more about that. I think it has a really great head on it for for a logger. It was, you know, very frothy. And now that it's died down, it's still there's still a good amount of head retention on it. Um, 
but it is you know it's a sweet malty lager this is what i want like this is like what i want right now i could drink like six of these right now and and have a great time it's balanced but not yeah crystal clear someone's saying in the in the chat that's that's perfect <laughs> my, my cat wants to drink this one uh you probably shouldn't have your cat drink this one i did have to have to take my cat to the vet to the emergency vet this past week uh because he was not urinating um and they said you know make sure he has enough <laughs> That's that's he was hey. not, that was you just you just said that your inflection on the word urinating was he was not <laughs> urinating it was just sorry wasn't laughing I had at to your think of the most uh, professional way to say it that's that's a big deal for male cats if they get blocked they can they, they can like yeah. die so yeah. um maybe yes maybe I'll give him a little bit of this see how he does shout out to all the the veterinary fans out there and some someone uh, uh thank you so much for the the watcher who is who's is worried about it. he is okay he does have some crystals he has to go on a special diet but he is okay um the, the cat is on the roof yeah he's totally fine he's he loves belly rubs and he loves fruits so actually giving him like blueberries and cranberries is not going to be that big of a deal he loves it god this right. beer is great <laughs> This beer is great. I mean, it's not overly, I mean, you say it's balanced. I don't get a lot of like uh, bitterness or anything from it. It's just a sweet, malty beer, super clean, super balanced, uh, super clear. This is what I want in a lager. So great work. Absolutely. Yeah, this is wonderful. And um, we mentioned, I think, on the exile the ep- episode where we featured Exile, uh, I took some Ruthie on a trip all the way across uh nebraska and wyoming and utah um the other beer i had with me was this kinship american lager and they were nice compliments to each other nice. to drink every night and uh be a nice uh, a comfort at the end of spending a long day on the highway in a big 11 foot tall van uh, but enough <laughs> about that uh yeah. let's get into it let's bring on our guest please join us in welcoming our guest tonight uh the head brewer at kinship dj norton as well as the founder of kinship zach doback how's it going tonight guys you guys are muted you guys need to unmute yourself <laughs> damn it i totally hit that button um good how you guys doing tonight great Wonderful. we're excited to have you yeah. appreciate you guys having us out tonight yeah, but th- thanks for joining. I mean, this this locker is is great. It's everything that I want right now, and you guys did a great job with it. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, the by the way, just so people know, this is DJ. I'm Zach. This is the man that brewed it. Um, so, cool. tell you what, DJ, why don't you talk him a little bit about just the background of the beer? Yeah, please. Yeah, so American Lager. Uh, it, it's a pretty simple, straightforward beer. We use. Uh, but choice bar yeast from white labs on it. So it's, it's slightly Czech, but it's a little breadier. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to have a little maltier finish on the back end. Uh, there's next to no hops in it. It's really the old mentality of brewing in a, an American style beer from traditional, almost pre-prohibition, maybe slightly post-prohibition. So it's, it's mm-hmm. meant to be drank a lot of keep the, uh, hops and everything on it low for multiple different reasons right now in the market. And um, yeah, just a pretty straightforward, simple, simple beer. Perfect. Well, no, we do have a list of questions, but I do want to ask because just we're talking about loggers right now. You mentioned earlier about how you guys are sort of becoming the, the logger brewery of the area. Could you talk about other, other loggers that, that you guys are making? Yeah, so we have right now um, just standard flagship loggers that we're doing. We have four of them. Um, we have a light logger, 
which is uh, right now it's rice based. So it's going to hmm. be at three and a half percent rice base, same yeast strain. We use the that Bud Joyce bar for all for our house strain, basically. Um, so a light lager, American lager, amber lager, but it's an amber lager more on the drier end of amber lagers. Okay. Uh, it's got some sweetness and stuff to it, but it's it's going to be more reminiscent of like a yingling. Yingling. And then yeah. a gotcha. dark lager. Yeah, I remember percent. <laughs> yeah, dark lager is uh, it's a Schwartz beer, but we call it dark lager just to uh, yeah. not confuse people. We try to keep our naming and branding on the lagers simple, yeah. clean, so people can understand them when they read them on the shelf. Yeah. See, that sounds nice for the for the bartenders who, so they don't have to constantly go right here. What's a Schwartz beer? And they're yeah. like, oh, okay, here we go. Yeah. So, and and to speak on that note too, uh, you know, I've been homebrewing long. Like every you know brew that starts off, like you know, all of us got to start homebrewing typically. But I used to be fun naming beers, which we do name beers. Like I have a beer. We have a beer called Dear Annie, which is, um, you know, a, as I call it, the love letter to my wife. It's a it's a hazy IPA, which we know is very it's very good style for the craft beer industry, but um, when we came down to the lager series, especially being here in uh, in Iowa, me being from Georgia, everything, we felt like the more we got cutesy on the names when it came to distribution, when it came to being on the shelf, the more it kind of disconnected people because they didn't understand it and they didn't remember it. So the name Kinship is very, uh, very easy to remember for the most part because people understand what it means, especially when they kind of know the story. So we literally call it light American amber and dark lagers. Keep it simple. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that that totally makes sense. I th- I think just to speak more to the dedication to becoming uh, Kinship's Lager Brewery, or sorry, Kinship being Iowa's Lager Brewery. Um, when I was there, I I don't think I maybe a lot of people don't realize, but um, typically you have uh, regular vertical fermenters in a brewery and a lot of people have seen those and you could brew all kinds of different styles of beer in there but when you really want to like dedicate to loggers you'll get horizontal tanks or what's known as loggering tanks and those are tanks made specifically for the long cold conditioning phase known as loggering and that's when you really commit time uh to time and space and resources to be in like, okay, we're going to brew loggers. We're going to take the time to do it. And I believe you said you had, uh, there were two there whenever I saw them and you said you had two more on their way. So you guys are really pushing, pushing the chips into the pile of we're going to brew lager and we're going to commit space and resources to this. Right. And, and you guys spoke to Tercy, like you mentioned, you know, RJ over at exile and I'm sure the the folks on the the zoom here and your listeners heard that story. Um, you know, we started January 1st of last year. We came out the gate during a, a little pandemic, you know, a small <laughs> pandemic. Yeah. Just, so, is, is that what that was? Small one. <laughs> Literally the 1st of January of 2021. So a year and almost four months ago, we opened our doors up. Um, distribution was pretty much immediate just because we were trying to be as versatile as possible. But the point, though, is we came out the gate. We have beers that we're very proud of. Um, but what we noticed in our first year uh, of being open both in-house and then eventually in distribution uh, was the lager beers that I grew up on. I mean, <clears throat> I think we all grew up on it because craft beer is, you know, it's been around for a long time, but but it hasn't really gained its traction until really like the early 2000s when people started really catching on to what that meant. That being said, uh, DJ and I uh, started really taking a step back and thinking about everything in taproom. Ales and lagers are always welcome 
when it comes to this distribution for us, from our perspective, from what we're seeing, um, we are challenged not only with consumer choices being more tried and true, but, um, you know, this, you know, supply chain issues also challenged us to make beers that are approachable and affordable on the shelf, you know? Um, so from a business perspective, we just kind of naturally fell down the path where, and I'll let DJ speak to this because he's the one that does the, 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 the beers, but, um, the first beer that we did in our tap room was called, um, off the leash was a modern Pilsner, which we still do in house. Um, and I'll let him speak to that in a minute before I get to that. The next beer he did that I got to try was the Amber Lager, which we were trying to get in you guys' hands, American Lager, because the Amber Lager has turned into one of the top selling beers that we're doing right now. Mm. Um, and that's only been four months in the market. So my point, though, is that like when people had a taste of that, we literally called it the lager, um, just kind of an homage to the Northeast sort of like, you know, part of the country where people walk into bars, so I'll have the lager and then the Amber Lager. Yeah. When people, mm-hmm. when that ran out in our tapper, people were like, Hey, I'll take the lager. We're like, Hey, we're out of that. And it was very contentious. Mm-hmm. And that's the story goes where the loggers were born, but talk about off the leash yeah. and that being kind of our segue to the lager beers. Uh, and then of course how the, the lager happened. Yeah. Off the leash, three and a half percent corn lager. But I had this idea that we're going to bridge the gap between craft beer drinkers and bushlight drinkers. <laughs> and we're going to put a healthy shot of citra hops in it. It's a delicious beer. It's delightful. It's really, it's like, it really shows the, where that, how that citra hop shines. Cause there's nothing competing with it. It's corn water, super dry and crisp, clean. And the citra really pops hard on it. The problem is, is that craft beer drinkers don't, didn't really care about a Pilsner. And then the bushlight drinkers don't care about hops. Yeah. So as good as the beer was, it started to turn into this whole, uh, we need to pick a lane. Pick a lane. <laughs> and we decided to pick a lane on, on more of the easy drinking loggers on basically taking our distribution model and se- separating it into two, se- into two sides, which is the craft beer side and then the grain belt kind of world of beer drinking. And that's, where we're, we're separated the two, branding them differently, marketing them differently, and completely two different brands. Of well, I, I think you sort of um, sort of answered our, our question we were about to ask, which was um, sort of I, I guess where you are is a little bit more of a, of a suburban area, and it's how do you how do you create a craft beer that sort of maybe caters more to a to a suburban audience? And it sounds sort of like you just answer that in a way and that it's bringing people in that who are like my dad grew up in a suburban area who only likes Coors Light and when I take him out to to craft breweries he says what do you have that's closest to Coors Light and I go oh dad don't you don't embarrass me but like but, he likes but, what he likes I, yeah but he likes what he likes exactly and there's really nothing wrong with that and I in some ways I I I don't know how I feel about it, but I feel like there's a few places around here in Pittsburgh where where they go, we don't have anything like that here. All of our stuff is crazy and wild. Whereas you guys are more and more like, this is exactly what we have. We have a nice, clean lager. Uh, It's very drinkable, as someone's saying in the chat. Um, You know, I guess if there's anything more that you can sort of say about creating something that's more for the average drinker versus, you know, maybe the, the crazy sour head or the hop head, that sort of thing. Yeah, and I'll go first too because you know I think 
and this could be a controversial statement coming from a, a craft brewery owner. Um, you know, I'm 35. I grew up in a family, like I grew up in a Budweiser house. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, my dad's in his early 70s. So, of course, Budweiser made sense. And even as I grew up going through college when I was of legal age, um, <laughs> having beer, um, I still have a very nostalgic view of what Budweiser represents to me and my family. Originally, our brew was called Roots. Um, Roots was our home brew we did. We called it Roots. And I was going to roll out Roots Brewing Company. Kenship just made more sense in the long run, which I can talk about later. But the point, though, is <clears throat> when I saw Pat there, I think was on the, the chat just now, say a good crisp lager or a good clean beer when talk about Coors, Coors Light, Coors Original, Coors Banquet. We don't forget that those beers came before we did. And we don't forget that those beers will never go away. And, you know, there is a fine line in our industry uh, where if I were to tell somebody that if somebody handed me a good cold Budweiser after mowing the lawn, I'd drink the hell out of it because it's good. Oh, yeah. Um, And I don't I just didn't I was I'm an everyday beer drinker who owns a craft brewery and DJ and I do love our ales. We love our, you know, we love a good sour. I've acquired a taste that for over the years. We love a good Imperial Stout, which is called Sheriff Dobek, which I'll speak about in a minute. We love our like wild and, and, and approachable beers but we're also not ashamed yeah a lot of brewers do drink pbr they drink hams yes i mean yeah yeah for us to like my my biggest thing in the year and four months have been open um was i didn't want to be a brewery owner that was lying to my consumers saying that i don't drink this kind of beer and that's why when we said yingling reminiscent yingling and things like that we're not trying to certainly copy that but it's it's there's a reason why that beer makes sense to a lot of people, right? So we want to give our version of it, which you would do a, a side-by-side on recipes. You would see the variations that we chose. So from my perspective, when we finally, six months into owning this brewery, said, why don't we fall down that path where we really focus on really good, clean beers? It's been nothing but a point of pride um, since the beginning of this year uh, to see that really taking shape in the uh, in, in the consumer but also remember, again, our brewery, our tap room, uh, will never lose the things that we do that are unique. But one thing we'll also say, too, is we're very focused on clean beer. Uh, elegant is what DJ says. But that's my perspective. But then your perspective is just pretty much the same, but it's your story. Yeah, on the why people are, you know, the difference in the rural Iowa. I mean, it's bushlight country. I mean, they sell millions of barrels of bushlight in the state of Iowa every year. And I think we're at less than 90,000 or hundred barrels of craft beer total, including TG. So that market is vastly different. And, and we're kind of all fighting over the same at the, after you start breaking down market share and craft beer industry, start breaking that down. We're all kind of fighting over the same 3%, mm-hmm. which is fine. I mean, if everybody wants to do that, it's fine, but we're going to try to thread. We're trying to figure out a way to reach more people across the board. And if you got the time and resources and, and, and like for us, we're fortunate for us, we have the space to be able to put loggering tanks in. And we were, we were built to do that from day one. It, we didn't know it was going to end up being like this, but we, that's how we were built. That's why we have loggering tanks. And that's why we're focused on good, clean beer. And really the, the only thing different we're going to you know do is try to try to keep them a little bit unique in certain ways. Like, like a little maltier than maybe a little than Mm -hmm. than usual, but a nice little crisp and cleanness to it. Non-filtering. We're not a filtering brewery, so don't filter. 
little things like that that were going to separate us across from um, everybody else. And water. I really am a big water geek. So, can we talk about water for a second? Yeah. Yeah, sure. But this is the audience. By the way, to the comments that came in, by the way, from chat, thank you guys. But uh, yeah, so talk about water for a second because that's that was my, when DJ came on board. Um, I had a you know a brewery consult. So my background again, I'm, I'm a home brewer. I have a vision for kinship, but I wasn't trying to go from a, a five ten gallon brew system to a thirty barrel brew system, which is what we use. Um, and again, if there's if there's a little bit of time left, I'm happy to talk about why the building behind you exists. But before we do that, it was the water chemistry, uh, especially for being here in Iowa. So there's a lot of agriculture runoff during certain times of the year. Sometimes they pull surface water. Sometimes they pull well water. They won't tell you. You can try to get water reports. They're delayed or that's a monthly average or however that works. So you got to test your own water or you got to just strip it. So we decided to go down the stripping route and when we were in the build out phase and, and everything I talked to Zach and I said, we should get some RO water. Unfortunately, he jumped on board with it. So we got made a partnership with Colgan and got a really, really kick-ass water system to be able to strip our water down. We just rebuild everything. Every recipe is built specifically different. We don't, I don't build a, a base blend and then use that base for every single beer. Every single beer has its own water pool. Wow. I think I think That's most impressive. people don't I think most people even like most like beginning to mid-level home brewers don't understand or appreciate how much that changes so when when you say strip water down what what he's what's DJ saying is they're pulling all the nutrients everything out of that water and then building it up putting how much calcium they want and how much chloride specifically they want and how many how much sulfate and and so on and so forth to build a water that would be almost reminiscent of where this beer's origins come from or something that's really tailored to its malt profile. And that's like, that's dedication to the beer. You know, everybody talks about sexy hops and cool yeast strains (laughs) and even cool malts, but like... No one talks about how how sexy water can be. Yeah. Now let's take a beer break and talk about the name Des Moines. We've joked about the silent S's a few times throughout these Des Moines episodes. So as you could probably guess, the name is of French origin. The city is named after the Des Moines River or La Riviere Des Moines. I probably butchered that. That's a constant on this podcast. Uh, Or in English, uh, you would say the River of the Monks. So this mighty Midwestern waterway can be found on French maps as far back as 1703 and was named for the Trappist monks that built huts near the mouth of the river. So now that I know that, I kind of feel dumb for making Desmonet's jokes, considering I'm kind of insulting the Trappist monks, who arguably have done more for the growth of beer throughout history than any other group of people. But that's a story for another time. For now, let's get back to the episode and our conversation with Kinship. Well, listen, guys, I'm, and I know this has been great, and, and I want to sort of keep going with that. Zach, you mentioned earlier about the, the share of Dobeth, and uh, uh, did I say that right? I did Dobeth. say it right. Dobeth, yeah. d- d- yes, thank you. And I am out of beer, so I feel like I need to crack open into this second beer here, um, this Imperial Stout. So 
I want you to tell us a little bit about it, but also know that I'm not a huge fan of dark beer, so I want you to sort of like <laughs> convince me like a little bit that this is going to be great before I drink it. Yeah, oh, I'll start with the story real quick. Yes, please. So that can you guys are holding your hand, that's my father. Okay. Uh, so that's uh, him and his. So he was a sheriff from 1980 to 1992 um, in Vero Beach, Florida, which on the East Coast there. I have, I'm one of seven kids, and the reason I mention that is because we grew up in a big family. You know, that's a big part of where I came from. Uh, so, as a young kid, I got to watch my dad uh, build communities. You know, build a community in his hometown. Everything. We ended up moving to Georgia when I was about seven years old. The point is, my brother and I, like us as a family, we call our dad, you know, dad. But most, you know, sometimes we call him Sheriff Dobe because that's just the kind of the thing that we do. But. <laughs> Um, when my brother and I started home brewing, we literally, this is back like 2000 and like two, 2003, I'm sorry, 2000, like five or six. Um, we did a Budweiser clone one time and tried to call it Sheriff Dobeck for my dad to drink. Uh, and he was like, no, nah, this is terrible. So we're like, well, <laughs> try again, boys. <laughs> I remember my dad's a Budweiser man now. So we're like, well, why are we trying to do that? Why don't we do something a little bit more reminiscent of the man? You know, it's a imperial stout. It's a, it's a bigger beer. Uh, we've gotten this thing up to 13, 14% before. Um, wow. These days we go 10%. Um, it's cool to see people react to it. Um, 10% it's still high, but it's agreeable to, you know, to a degree that it's not, you know how it goes. Like anything over ten percent, it starts to get a little wacky. Yeah, uh, I feel like you're not going to get too boozed out on ten percent. You're going to get more of the flavor profile. So the story is that's my pops on the on the can there. That's an old picture of him and his sheriff days. He's still with us, by the way. That's a namesake, not yet an homage. So um, <laughs> I'd like to point that out. But beer wise, now I would say I pass it to you. Uh, Marisander base on it, ten um, percent. Um, again, it's pretty straightforward and simple, except for the fact that. Considering it's for a sheriff, it needed to be roasty and smoky. So those are the two yeah. kind of air directions wanted to go. Almost, almost over the top on almost just flirting with that over the top on it. And as time goes on, it mellows out even more and more and more. So that keeping those intensities on those, some of those levels, that also helps as you drink it. You keep tasting a little bit more as you keep going through it, and then by the time you get down to the bottom, it starts to turn into dates and stuff like that. But it's it's very old school imperial stout it's nothing crazy in it it's straightforward a lot of roast smokiness to it and that's that's the direction we went with it so. well yeah because i i mean i i mentioned in the last episode that i'm not a huge fan of darker beers and i think the reason is because a lot of the time they're overly sweet and i'm not super into sweet stuff and this has more flavors like 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 it's it's a broader sort of expand of of flavors other than sweet i get a lot of almost almost umami from this like some meatiness some almost like mushroominess i get a lot of roasted sort of notes from this some breadiness from this like these are the flavors that i want in a stout it keeps going off of that too there's there's raisin and like a mm -hmm. like a plumber like dark fruit character in the aroma i'm Sorry, I'm just very, very no. excited about this beer. <laughs> Absolutely, like this is what I want in a stout. When I order a stout somewhere, this is this is what I want. I don't want something that's like super sweet. I recently got like like a variety pack of some beers, and there were some chocolate stouts, and I just gave them away to friends because I knew that I don't want those. They're they're too sweet for me. This this is exactly what I think a stout should be. Is that it's ten percent. It is 
dark, it is dry, it is roasted. Um, it's exactly what I want. So thank you guys for this. I have a lot of yeah. questions, not specifically about this beer, but Brian, I know that you have one, but I actually have a question of, of myself here that I don't, I hope we don't get too far in because I know we're, we're running out of time a little bit, but I want to talk Why does everybody say that? We don't, we don't have time. We, you, you, <laughs> we're not running out of time. We can talk for as long as, as long as, as long as DJ and Zach want to be generous with the time, we will talk. <laughs> All right, so. cool. Um, and Pat in the chat says I'm being converted to the dark side. Like with this, like, yeah, maybe a little bit. Um, but I actually want to talk a little bit about the, the, the 12 ounce can, because I mean, a lot of breweries these days are 16 ounce cans. However, I'm actually a bigger fan of the 12 ounce can. Can you talk a little bit about your decision to go with 12 ounce cans versus 16? Yeah, sure. So um, I'm glad to see Scott I see not beer gets better as a drink it. I don't, I just definitely disagree with, <laughs> I, I agree with you. Excuse me. I don't disagree with what I was going to say. Um, so, uh, you know, it's a great question because part of what, all right, so part of what we're trying to do in our space as we go online, we are the newest brewery, um, I think, as of a couple months ago in the state of Iowa. So we look at, again, from a distribution perspective, the shelf war, I think we're all familiar with what that term means. We saw a lot of, you know, tall boys and four packs. We wanted to challenge it and say, why don't we do 12, 12 ounce and, and six packs? Excuse me, the big part of that is, really comes down to when my wife would find her favorite beer, she'd take it home, she opened it up, pour you know, a little bit over half in a glass and then put the other half in the in the fridge and, <laughs> and finish it, you know, when, you know, in that way. Now, obviously things like a stout, you know, you can, you know, a little bit warmer, the temperature, the more you get out of it. But we chose that for a point of differentiation in a six-pack format. That was the initial goal. If you notice too, by the way, it's got a gold rim top. That's a little uh, nod that we do to kind of, at least locally here, it's a little wink and a smile that what we do with our brand is we try to find little points of differentiation. Now, when it's in a pack tech, you don't see it immediately. It's only when you engage with the beer outside of the, you take it home and everything. But it's still something that as you engage with a brand more and more, that's one, another point of, uh, you know, connection that you have with our brand. So the 12, the 12 ounce uh, approach was really specifically designed to just, give more to because like when i know that when i pick up a six pack and i got a friend or two over i'm more likely to share if i've got a four right. pack i'm like i'm uh, i don't have any beer for you so no, that, that's exactly no honestly that's exactly why i asked it because when i have a four pack of 16 ounce cans those beers are for me yeah and me alone <laughs> sure. when i have a six pack of 12 ounce cans i'm more than happy to share them with another person or two and, and it that, almost sort of expands that way and it's that very specific thing that we're trying to differentiate ourselves in the market. And then is it something that everybody notices? No, but there's, there's, like you said, I mean, it's all about the connection, the reason why, and then we've heard it back since, by the way, I mean, now we're starting to hear it coming back to us saying like, I love that I can get a six pack of beer, especially a 12 ounce format for those reasons, you know? So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Perfect. So we've talked uh, a little bit. We've mentioned that you, you know, want to be the logger focused brewery. But beyond that, what does that name kinship mean? So, like I said earlier, Roots Brewing Company was the original name. Um, it came down. My brother and I would brew. We actually called ourselves the Brews Brothers, you know, which apparently turned into like a Netflix series at, at some point as well, right? Yeah. I heard I heard um, a very not not great Netflix series as well. Yes, yes. that's so, what I've heard. <laughs> so the point is, like, it was funny because like with the Bruce Brothers, 
a lot of uh, every beer name we came out with was very reminiscent of a, a person, a place, a thing, a reference, if you will. And so Roots was the implication there. Now, I'm from Georgia originally. My wife's from Iowa. That's why we're, we're here. Just a little background there. But when moving here to Iowa with the name Roots Brewing Company, there were different breweries uh, that are across the region now and across the country that have there were roots in their name. So whether it's twisted, it's bitter, whether it's whatever roots, um, I got to a point where uh, I was concerned with the word roots getting lost. And so we took a step back. This is during planning process, by the way, we weren't open yet. And uh, we landed on kinship uh, because it has the same sort of connotation, but in retrospect, it actually is a much better name. Um, And I say that because I, Open a brewery to uh, pursue an entrepreneurial like spirit that I have, uh, but to use beer as what I feel like is my platform to build community, which is what I saw my dad do as a, you know as a young kid. Um, beer has always been an equalizer. Uh, I think for people to sit down and have a conversation um, and kinship. And what's been great about the name kinship is people have connected with the name because of that reason. It's all about Kinship. Yeah, kinship brings people together. Kinship is also all our common background. So if it was roots, it'd be about me. It's no longer about me anymore. It's about DJ. It's about my team that builds this all out. We're all kinship. It's very disarming too. Like it's just like social unrest is a big thing leading up to our opening um, between the pandemic and everything going on in the world. And I feel like people really connected with the name kinship. And uh, that was just not purposeful it's just because the name makes sense to me it makes me feel good for what we're doing which is also another reason why is the word name kimship um why the lager beer makes the most sense because it is the world's favorite beer it's the mm-hmm. beer as we sit down and i'm a huge bourdain fan which it's a whole different conversation yeah uh, anthony bourdain mm-hmm. and um, a lot of what i kind of wean from from him and, and his story and everything about him um, is kinship. And so that's a name as you are engaging with, you know, our brand. If you never know the name, you know, the beer, so the brewery and that's kinship. So that's why it's more important to me that, you know, the brewery versus the beer name. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's amazing. And so as someone says in the chat here, like kinship brings people together. And I think that that's very important in, 2022 that we are well, here for sure. And and one last thing I'll say on that too, as well, what's something that I even put like in my business plan, you know, I want to see um, younger, middle order, all the generations, uh, genders, um, ethnicities, everything like about us as humans. I want to see my tap room and, you know, we're in Milwaukee, Iowa, which is a suburb. Um, but at the same time, I, well, a suburb off the Des Moines area, it's not too, too far, but, the point is, we've really seen a huge demographic come through our brewery because we are disarming, because we're not trying to be something that we're not. You know, I can I, at this point now, you guys haven't turned the computer off from what we said. So I'll just say this, that people really appreciate what we're doing, whether they're coming uh, locally or they're coming from the metro or even eastern part of downtown because of what we do and represent. Mm-hmm. And we're going to keep doing that. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, that, I mean, that, that sounds amazing. I mean, that's, but that's really what this is. I mean, that's really what craft beer, and I know a lot of, of craft breweries here in Pittsburgh, they all sort of get together, they, they talk to each other, and they're all about building a community. And I'm sure it's the same way out, out in Des Moines. And that's, I think that's something that's, that's pretty amazing. Sorry, somebody just asked a question about the can. I was about to ask that question. Yes, please. Yes. <laughs> uh, good catch, by the way. Well, real quick, before I get to the Shield logo, I'll, I'll just point out. So 1986, that was the year I was born. Hmm. Now, if you notice, the can has a very nostalgic vibe to it, and it's purposeful. The idea is that we wanted to, uh, we wanted to bring forward a lager series and release it in almost like this homage to this nostalgia that we have for uh, that I have specifically for uh, lager beers again growing up. That was the year I was born. We jokingly say that was the year Kinship was born. If you notice, it doesn't say established. It doesn't say started 1986, but it is designed to be kind of an Easter egg where you go, was that when the brewery started? Um, no, <laughs> but that's when Kinship was born. So great year to be born, says Pete. Thank you. Um, it sounds like he's an 86 kid. Um, so the 1986 is literally just the year I was born. Uh, it's an homage. Um, and that's, again, why we decided to bring that nostalgia forward. Um, again, it's a little wink and a smile to our brand. It's designed to be a conversation piece. So the 26 other people on this you know, chat right now, anybody who listens to this podcast, they know the information and why it's 1986. So they get to kind of tell the story. If people ask about it and they engage it, it's arming them with information that they know. Um, so, yeah, that's what that represents. The shield is a family crest. Um, so I'm Scottish heritage. Um, it is a K shield and, um, it's again, designed to be sort of our, you know, it's like on my shirt is very simple. It's just a very simple, uh, nod to who we are. I'm, I'm big into like storytelling. I'm big into branding. And that to me is just like a remnant, very simple way to say that's kinship. You know, that's the, that's the family crest things that we could all wear together because we're all kinship as corny as it may sound. I hope that answered everyone's questions because that's yeah that's that's great i mean this can is really cool i mean it does feel like it's something from like the 80s and i think yeah i think that you that you nailed it um so th there's no good way for me for me to make this i think this this segue from from that answer to this question but it's something that i really want to know and something that you touched on earlier let's talk a little bit i don't want to turn this into uh, in, in fact someone's been asking in the chat uh zach what part of what part of, of, of georgia are, so are I grew from? up in Gwinnett, Gwinnett County, which is northeast of Atlanta. Okay. And yep, prior to live, uh, moving here, my wife and I lived in East Atlanta Village. So um, Gwinnett County is, again, northeast, about 45 minutes. So Cool. Awesome. Uh, so I don't know anything about Georgia, so that sounds great. Perfect. Um, <laughs> but I want to talk a little bit about... The, the, I know that there's some sort of paranormal aspect between you guys and between the brewery. And I love paranormal stuff. Uh, my girlfriend and I are super into paranormal stuff. It's a lot of fun. And I want to talk a little bit. Like, are we talking about paranormal, like Bigfoot, ghosts? Uh, do you have a paranormal experience? What do, what do you think about that? <laughs> no, I'm big into, the, I'm big into, I love stories. I've always loved stories. And so it's good. The first book I ever read was The Stand from Stephen King. So mm. I'm huge Perfect. into stories. I love urban legends and stories and myths. And it's, it's just fascinating to me. It always has been, um, whether it's UFOs or Bigfoot or, you know, 
Skinwalker Ranch or it doesn't matter. The list goes mm-hmm. on and on. I love I love I used to listen to Coast to Coast every Saturday. Oh, Art Bell. Just <laughs> every single weekend I look forward to it. I had no social life. So I would just <laughs> sit around and listen and listening when I was a kid, listening to Coast to Coast. And I just love hearing stories about paranormal. Bigfoot's just one of them. David Politis, who does Missing 411. That's fascinating to me. Just The list goes on and on and on. Did you incorporate any storytelling into, into brewing at all? I know it's sort of maybe an abstract question, but is, does that occur at all? Well, yeah. So if you chair up Dobek, if you turn the can over, by the way, it has a story to be told on the side of it. And, um, you know, it's, it's abstract also because, like, let's put it this way. The story being told is designed to, uh, for you to not know who I am or what our story is to understand that in a, in a quick blurb, but it's more through our brand voice. So what I mean by that, it's more about how we talk about who we are as we grow our brand. Kenship is now the pillar and the sort of the, uh, the main storyteller into who, what we do. If it's not clear by now between my man brewing the beer here, um, I'm a big brand guy. I love, and when I say that, I don't mean like it's homogenizing who we are. What I'm trying to say is that I finally found a point in my life where I was able to kind of tell our story. That's why kinship is such an important name to me because I'm not just telling my story anymore. It's telling everybody else's story. But kinship has become sort of that like beacon of like what we can use to build that storytelling ability. It's not always going to be on the can. It's going to be the 1986 little Easter egg that you see there. It's going to be in the gold top you have on top of there. It's going to be in why there's a bit of a, you know, if you look at the side of the can, the kinship's written kind of more in a modern font. Everything about what we do is more driven by the Easter egg version of what we're trying to do. And the stories that happen on that can, um, on the packaging, will find its way to the public for them to tell the story and why. Uh, we're very driven people, him and I individually, and also together as a, as a company. So um, it may not always have a story on the side of the can, but there's things that help you understand what we're trying to do. You can see it resonate when you're in the tap room or in the can art or even just in the, the, the design of the building. There is very much a feel to the brand overall. And I think um, that's the good side of branding. You kind of made a tongue-in-cheek joke about the the what people would call the bad side but like there's very much a feel to this brand and i think that's um embodies what i think a lot of breweries try to do but maybe don't succeed sure uh as well as it's done here so uh one final question that we like to ask all of our guests on the podcast is what is one thing that you wish the des moines area was more well known for loggers (laughs) <laughs> that, that is the first we've gotten that answer that's that's great and you, you were very quick to that too just loggers yep um to make it short and sweet i'll let dj talk about maybe it's the book the bigfoot settings we don't hear enough about um it's loggers man it's are you sure it's not it's not the the the, the bike trails we've heard a lot about the bike trails uh sure i mean you know <laughs> let that be a nice surprise when you come to des moines or you come to iowa <laughs> um you know it's a beer scene i think we're and if I can be very candid here, we are a, you know, being literally in the middle of the country, sometimes typically things we, you know, we catch wind of things after they're kind of formulating a, around the country. Let's put it, let's be very frank. I mean, 
coastal states definitely catch things first and then moves inward, right? And uh, what's been great about us finding our footing uh, a year and four months in, what I mean by that, it's been great, is that we found an identity. And it's uh, now we have a, uh, even more to say about what we represent for Iowa. I'm sure there's five other things they can rattle off, but first and foremost, I want to I want to help us elevate what this guy's really good at and what we're really good at on the other side of that, which is the branding, the storytelling side of it, of why um, you know Iowa should be known for lager beers. Uh, outside of beer, um, there's some really solid food concepts happening around here that you know I think people could definitely they need to know. But beer wise, it's lager. Hmm. Lager is an identity. Uh, I think Iowa, Des Moines lacks some identity sometimes. I, and that's kind of where we're trying to develop our own identity. That's important yeah. to do in the beer industry. Um, sometimes you end up chasing your tail around trying to find trends and doing what the next guy is going to do and, or girl. It goes on and on. You're just chasing your tail around in circles. And sometimes you catch it ahead of time. Sometimes you're too late. But just sticking to an identity and trying to build off of it, sticking to your marketing plan and sticking to what you're, what you believe in and that will resonate with people. And it, it's not always easy being what's considered a craft brewery and doing stepping up on the logger trains. It's a pretty big deal. And a lot of people, especially in the Des Moines area, they don't necessarily resonate with it. It's going to take, it takes a lot of work for us to get people to understand for, especially on dealing with two sides of the beer market. Mm-hmm. So I think identity and we're, we found ours. We're going to stick with it. And that's the way it is. Request. Awesome. Perfect. Awesome. Well, th- thank you guys so much for, for joining us here. And any last things you want to plug? And also, I, I just want to sort of, people were asking in the chat if you distribute to Chicago, like where, like where, what is your, your distribution area as well? Sure. So we, um, being year in, uh, we are, um, yeah, so we are specifically in the Des Moines metro for now. Um, Chicago is definitely something that's on our sites. Um, in case anybody's listening from Nebraska, the joke, joke about Waukee, it's East Omaha. We'll be in Omaha probably pretty quickly. Uh, we're actually getting um, everything buttoned up on that side. Uh, but before we do leave the state of Iowa, our goal in the metro here is to let people know our identity. Um, so for those of you who are on this call who are in the metro, know the name Kinship. Um, and maybe one day say, yeah, I was sitting on a, a podcast live stream with these guys, and they were just talking about a bunch of random stuff and <laughs> drinking their beer. Uh, we will find you. I I will assure you that. Mark my words. We will find you. Yeah. Perfect. Huge, Thank you. Huge thanks, guys. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for the great beers. Oh, for sure. Um, thanks for yeah. Thanks for having us. I would like to echo Zach's words. If you are in Des Moines, no kinship. Find them. Make the make the fifth the short fifteen mile journey out to <laughs> Waukee. It's worth it. The spot is beautiful. The tap room is gorgeous. And uh, they have a food program coming soon and outdoor space and yeah. uh, excellent beers. Like if you're in that area, go there. Come One on. last plug, if you don't mind me saying that, if you, while yeah. I have you guys. Um, so at Kinship Beers, how you find us across all social media. Uh, and one last thing I'll say, last year we hosted our, our inaugural 5K for breast cancer awareness in October. We're, uh, this year is going to be October, I believe, 2nd um, or 3rd. I think it's the 3rd, I'm sorry. October 3rd, it's Fighting Through Kinship. And uh, last year, we raised $30,000 for breast cancer awareness. This year, our goal is $100,000. Uh, so Hell yeah. uh, community build is everything for us. Um, so if you want to follow us on social media, 
Um, you will follow the stories that we do on the beer side, but also on the fighting through kinship, which is an, another big feather in our cap that we're really excited about. So, yes, awesome. check them out at Kinship Beer. Our subscribers will know because this awesome postcard comes with our box that Beautiful. Kinship, in addition to that $30,000, donated $50,000 to local charities since yep. opening. Um, if you want to talk about building community, putting your money where your mouth is and yep. uh, investing it into your local community, there's there's really no better way to do that. Uh, so thank you for you know building community through you know putting your money where your mouth is to use the same phrase (laughs) twice (laughs) Uh, awesome yeah well thanks guys for joining us thanks for supplying beer um eric last episode featuring des moines would love to hear your thoughts final thoughts on des moines so 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 des moines is not a place i thought about a month ago from from now um des moines is it's i don't know it just wasn't a place i thought about but the more i've talked to people and the more i've thought about it it makes me sort of um kind of happy like i'm like i'm a pessimist and that's fine but (laughs) des moines and there's so many other cities that are like this not just des moines there's so many sort of smaller cities that i don't think about that have a growing not just brewery scene but but a community that seems to be growing and that fills me with like a little bit of hope and that's better than nothing because i like as again i'm a pretty <laughs> brian you've known me for you're a, long a negative time. person i'm, like, I'm a very negative you're a person, negative person i'm a negative person it. it's fine and the fact that like like to, that there's things going in des moines and i like i wish i could turn my camera around because right above my 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 computer here is a map of the, of the united states with all the cities and everything like that and i look at it a lot and I wonder what's happening in New Mexico and Maine and Montana and everything like that. And it seems just like there is a community growing in a lot of small cities. And that makes me happy. So Des Moines has seemed awesome from all the breweries we, we've had. The beers have been great, but also the people that we've talked to have been really great. And the, the city itself seems like it's growing and it seems like it's progressing and that fills me with a lot of joy yep that's all i can say so cheers to you guys i mean (laughs) it's been great yeah cheers yep well eric it was wonderful you know doing these episodes with you i had a phenomenal time in des moines if i haven't expressed this already over these four episodes featuring des moines then that's my failure but i would absolutely (laughs) go back there and i think everybody listening to this podcast or watching live with us right now find a way to get to moines to des moines it is a criminally underrated city uh with a beautiful beer scene and uh, i assure you you will have an excellent time getting there eric uh it was great to reconnect uh thanks for co-hosting and i'm happy to say you're officially you're officially a friend of the pod now and uh, you're welcome back anytime that's gonna do it for des moines that's gonna do it for this episode great city great episode um, find your way out to the Hartford of the West and check out this wonderful place with its beautiful sculpture garden, amazing beer scene, and even better people. Thanks to all of our featured Des Moines breweries, and thanks to all of our guests from these great breweries. If you're enjoying the show, the best way to support us is to join the beer club at bruvana.com. That way you can help us continue to make these episodes, but you also get beer and sweet inclusions. 
shipped to you every month uh, directly to your door. You'll get a new box uh, for our new featured city. And this next featured city's boxes have already started going out this week. We'll be back next Wait. week to introduce our next featured city. Yeah. Brian, I mean I, that's great, but can can I take us because people are like shout, shouting my name in the chat here? Can I take a second to plug my own podcast here? Yes, Eric, please plug your own podcast. So I have a podcast of my own. It's not beer related; it's movie related. If you are a movie nerd, so it's me and three of my friends who are all movie nerds, and basically we we review movies that we haven't seen since we are children to see if they hold up. So, like, we haven't seen these movies in 20, 30 years to see maybe these movies are good, maybe they suck. Like, the the perfect example I think of is, like, Free Willy. When was the last time you thought of Free Willy? I mean, all the time. It was, like, literally one of my favorite <laughs> movies growing up. Does it hold up? I don't yeah, know. I know. It holds up. Eh, it holds up okay. But, like, Encino we do Man. like that. Encino Man. <laughs> Encino Man is great. Fight me on that. Encino Man is great. Um <laughs> So like, I mean, what's the name of the podcast? Have, You're doing a terrible plug. plug. It's it's called it's called Thro- Throwback Theater. Throwback Theater. It's on everywhere you can get your podcast, Spotify, everywhere yes. else. We actually have a 100 episode coming up here soon. 100 episode extravaganza. Um, but I meant we do everything from like well known movies to like very obscure movies that someone remembered watching when they were five uh, to see how it holds up. So the Indian in the cupboard, honey, we shrunk the. Chip. The, the honey, what is it? I don't remember honey now. The kids yeah. and Blue Mock, too. So, honey, yes. we shrunk the kids, yeah. yeah. Honey, we shrunk the kids, yeah. <laughs> yeah we've done so many of those. And Little Lady. <laughs> yes, yes. So we, yeah, if, if you're into podcasts, if you're into me, <laughs> you can you can you can check out throwback theater and listen to me talk about and and we we would just ruin all your favorite movies we'll just we would just watch them and we would just totally tell you how they are terrible or whatever cool. but yeah it's a lot of fun so thank um, you so much for for having me here brian it's been it's been great you're welcome thank you for joining uh me and thank you again to zach and dj for tolerating this um you, awesome, can, <laughs> you can follow us on facebook instagram youtube and untapped at Bruvana. like i said we'll be back next week to introduce our next city um i'm just gonna say two times the fun and that's all we're gonna leave it there uh we'll be back next week but until then stay safe be kind and support your local breweries cheers everybody cheers cheers, cheers. Woo. <laughs>